Welcome to The Axe Change, the official podcast of the Fred C. Manning School of Business at Acadia University, Wolfville, Nova Scotia. Acadia University is a member of the Maple League of Universities, an association of premier, primarily undergraduate universities that consistently rank for higher educational quality in Canada. The School of Business at Acadia University is named after Fred C. Manning, the first person in Canada to receive the honor of having a business school named after him. To learn more about Acadia University and the business school, please visit acadiau.ca and business.acadiau.ca. And now, on to the podcast. Good afternoon, everyone. Uh, my name is Bailey Darling, and welcome to the Exchange Radio Podcast, the official podcast for the FC Manning School of Business Administration um, in Acadia University here in Wolfville, Nova Scotia. Uh, today, I have the great pleasure of speaking with Jesse Gillis, who is currently Acadia's very own business counselor uh, for the Entrepreneurship Center. So without further ado, Jesse, I'd like to welcome you to the podcast and thank you so much for being here today. Thank you, Bailey. It's a pleasure to be here. So why don't we just start by you uh, telling me a little bit about yourself, uh, what you do now, as well as the highlights of your entrepreneurial journey through your life. Sure, absolutely. So currently, as as you so kindly introduced, I'm a business counselor with the Acadia Entrepreneurship Center. So more so with my focus uh, on campus with students, it's to concentrate on offering one-on-one business counseling, uh, entrepreneurship advice, startup, resources, support. And this isn't necessarily for just students who are looking at starting a business or going through startup activities, but also for students who are interested in understanding more about entrepreneurship as a whole. So the skill sets, the traits, uh, personality types, temperaments, and how you can use entrepreneurship to really grow yourself as a student, um, as well as after you're, you're finished your education at Acadia. That's terrific, and I know I'm extremely excited to talk to you today because I am myself a quote-unquote entrepreneur and someone who eventually wants to start my own business. Um, but before we dive deeper into your past entrepreneurial ventures, why don't you get into a little deeper of what you do here at Acadia, and most frequently, what do students come to you uh, for advice for? Sure. So in my position, I get the um, opportunity to support students through our Launchbox. And for those of you who don't know what Launchbox is, Launchbox is the entrepreneurship support center that we offer entrepreneurial programming at uh, every Tuesday night throughout the semester, both fall and winter, that provides insight into what is entrepreneurship. Um, how to build a pitch, how to go through ideation, how to you know, learn how to ask uh, different questions towards finding out more about not just you know, what entrepreneurship is, but what it takes to be an entrepreneur. We also host through Launchbox a competition, a business competition called Start It Up. And at that competition, we invite community members, students, not just from Acadia University, but students of all ages from rural communities across Nova Nova Scotia to come out and work in teams to answer a question. And one of these questions has been highlighted by a industry or a organization that we work with at the Acadia Entrepreneurship Center. So it could be as simple as the Wolfville Farmers Market saying, you know, we have a thousand people that walk through our doors every Saturday, but only 50% are buyers. How would you suggest 
building a solution to this problem. How can we encourage more buying on Saturday mornings? Mm -hmm. And so students working in groups of two to four or community members would work together over a period of 18 to 24 hours in order to solve that problem and then pitch to a number of judges. And at that pitch, they would concentrate on using what we call the Lean Canvas model, and mm. we can talk more about that later, later, but it's an entrepreneurial resource that we use and promote through LaunchBox. And they pitch to a panel of judges from the community. First prize is $6,000, second prize is $3,000 and third prize is $500. And to put it into context, anyone can win. We had an 11 year old who was in a team with his father last year and who I can tell you did the brunt of the work in solving their problem and pitching um, win third prize. So it really is, it's fun, it's open to everyone and it is about creating an entrepreneurial network as well. That's terrific. And as someone who is very interested in doing that, how would I hypothetically sign up for that? Sure. So you can sign up through uh, the uh, Acadia Entrepreneurship uh, webpage. We also have an e-newsletter e that we mm. send out, a Facebook account and an Instagram account. And you can find more information on any of those links. Or you could just contact me directly, too. So I often like when students drop into my office. I'm just at 307 Rhodes Hall. Mm. So if you want to learn more about you know, myself as a business counselor and my role, you can also just stop in and say hi. And I, I have information on Start It Up. Um, as well as obviously visiting LaunchBox, and that's the fourth floor of Patterson Hall. That's terrific. I'm very excited for the event. Um, so when students come to you, uh, how do, well, how do, let's start with how does a student self-identify and say, I know I want to be an entrepreneur, I, and I know I want to start my own business, because that is a big leap. So how does a student reach that level and say, I know I want to do this? Sure. So I would say that it, it's not in the sense of a student self-identifying, but maybe a student being open to ask the question of, I'm not really sure what I want to do after graduation. And, you know, I being a student at one point myself, um, probably can't put a number on how many times I said that, mm -hmm. you know. So I think often as students, we have that question, so what are you going to do after school? You know, what are your plans? And we almost kind of crumble a little bit on the inside because it's like, I don't know what I'm going to do. You know, I'm just, I'm, I'm going through my day to day and I'm planning and I'm learning. And I'm trying to figure out what's next. So it's more about self-identifying, asking that question. What am I going to do next? What have I learned and applied in school that I want to carry outwards into my both continuing education and professional education after? So if a student self-identifies with wanting to learn more about entrepreneurship as a whole so building experiential meaningful work or being an entrepreneur in any job that they take on currently during their academic studies or after graduation then they can come work with me or if a student has an idea or maybe they've been working on a business you know secretly in their dorm room that they want to gain uh, some advice towards or you know entrepreneurship can be lonely too so if you're working on a business yourself or with a couple friends maybe you want to go and talk to somebody and just uh, brainstorm some ideas or talk through some issues that you're having I can do that as well so we don't look at entrepreneurship just as a we are starting a business mm. we actually look at entrepreneurship as a way to enhance and build a fuller more meaningful life to create a better world that's amazing. I love that mantra. Mm. Um, so I'm sure many students have come to you with business ideas. Um, so how, well, let me start with this story. I know that um, the, f the founder of FedEx, f his name was Fred Smith, and when he was in college, 
his prof failed him because he thought the idea of FedEx, it would never work and it wasn't feasible. But a few years later, he founded you know, the very first overnight delivery system and it, and it truly changed the transportation industry forever, regardless of, of what the prof thought. Um, so when a student comes to you an idea that you don't think is totally feasible, how do you tackle that and how do you deal with that? So that's a good question. It's not my role to say no. Mm. And whether it be a student, a community member, you know, a friend, a family member, anyone that I'm talking to in an advisory role, I would never say that's not a good idea to because I'm not the be all end all. I don't have all the information. What I would do is prompt through a number of questions um, and different resource documents that we have to find out more information on uh, a, what that person's personal vision is. So why this entrepreneurial idea or business idea is going to help lead them to being the most passionate individual that they can be. So how does it align with where they want to be in a year from now? How does it align with two years, three years? So a big part of entrepreneurship that we focus on is also enhancing that personal vision and then tying our in entrepreneurial vision or that business idea back to it. So I would ask questions like, what skill sets do you currently have in order to see this business idea come to fruition? What skill sets would you need to build on? Uh, how well do you know the industry? Okay, let's look at that industry a little bit deeper. You know, who do you think your customer segments are? And why do you believe those customer segments are true to your business idea? Um, like I said, it, it's not my role to say, oh, that's not a good idea because, you know, I'm not the be all end all, but it is my role to ensure that, you know, we are building all the facts, finding all the resources, have all the information so that that student can make an informed decision when going through the next step process in their, in their uh, building their own business. Great. Um, and going off of that, I've I, I read some articles saying that you learn, you almost learn more from failure than you do from success. So, so even if a student goes for something and fails, um, it's not always a terrible thing because of what they learned. So uh, as an entrepreneur who, who's been very successful and I'm sure has maybe failed along the way, um, can you speak about, about how valuable uh, failure, failure is and how you deal with that as well as like learn from that experience? Sure. So I don't. I actually just don't believe in the world or the word failure. To be honest, mm -hmm. um, I think that life is about learning. Every day is about learning, and we're always going to, whether it's in a business sense, um, a professional sense, a personal sense. Every day we're going to be faced with challenges, and every day we're going to have to learn how to overcome those challenges. We may not make the best decisions the first time, but we can take learning from that. So from a, an idea of being an entrepreneur and, and taking a risk and trying something new, absolutely you're going to make mistakes. We make mistakes every day, but it's more about how you learn from those mistakes and become empowered by those mistakes to make the better or more informed decision the next time. You know, you can't know without knowing. And often I say, oh, it's kind of like that Rod Stewart song. You know, I wish I knew then what I know now. We'll say that for our whole entire lives. And you'll say that every day when you're running a business. But it's not a failure. It's consistent learning. So as long as you challenge yourself to be open to that consistent learning, then you'll continue to succeed in your own way. That's amazing. And I'm sure it's very fulfilling to be able to give students um, advice on, on these things. So tell me from your perspective, what's the most fulfilling part of your job that you do right now in terms of uh, helping students? 
So I, well, students are our future. I like to think I'm not that far from being a student, so hopefully I'm a part of that. But um, no, really, students, they are, they are building the brighter future for our rural economies, for our province, for, uh, you know, Canada, for our international organizations and markets. Really, I look at students and the way we work with students, and I'm so fortunate that we bring on co-op students into the Acadia Entrepreneurship Center every semester, and I get to work with students, and I'm always blown away by the thought process, you know, their ability to ask questions, answer questions, think in new ways, uh, develop new ideas, and you know, look at things from a different perspective. As well, you know, from a technology si side, you're far more, um, you, you're far more knowledgeable than I will ever be. The things you're learning in school right now. So even from a marketing perspective, you know, the way that students look at social media versus the way that I do, I feel like I'm a hundred years old sometimes. <laughs> Really, I'm not that much, you know, older than, than some students who go to Acadia. Um, you know, you're on the forefront of knowledge, and I think that we have to continue to, you know, enhance and, and build our relationships with students and, and support students in all of their endeavors going forward, because truly, you're the next gen. Do you have do you ever have a student come to you with an idea that is it's just great and you're like wow this is an amazing idea and if if I was an investor I would go all in with you. Do you ever have such great ideas that come to you from students and you're very surprised at at the uh, magnitude of the idea? So do you ever feel that way? All the time. All the time. And it's not just university students. So we also, you know, have the good fortune of working with the AVRSB down here. We ran a youth entrepreneurship day um, with the Valley School Board yesterday. We had 100 grade seven students out at the Fountain Commons for a youth entrepreneurship uh, conference and workshop yesterday. You should have heard the different ideas that were coming out of these students. It was absolutely amazing. So, you know, when looking at like innovation and ideation and new ideas coming forward, it's amazing. It's, um, it's truly inspiring to work with students. That is really cool and I'm sure a really cool experience. Um, so another question I had is that, um, and, and it's almost from a, a perspective I had, but uh, you picture generally very successful entrepreneurs um, in a certain sense and you hold them in a certain light. So you picture maybe an entrepreneur as, or the ideal entrepreneur as someone who, you know, starts a business in their garage and then organically grows it until uh, it's as big as Apple and they're extremely successful because those are the kind of entrepreneurs that you hear about, like Steve Jobs and Elon Musk. Um, so tell me about some common misconceptions of entrepreneurs that students may have well it's funny because you're using that as the perfect example and I think just as I believe entrepreneur as a definition that there's no perfect success you know I think that anyone's entrepreneurial path has to be 100% personal to them and we define our own success in life and we'll build our own success so for those interested in learning more about entrepreneurship or you know following their own dreams whatever that may be maybe it maybe following their dream is working for the government mm. you know but maybe it's working for the government in the accounting sector but doing the best possible job they can but also you know having the confidence to go into that position with the government asking questions having the confidence to break down barriers 
potentially in that uh, sector that they're working in. Maybe it's bringing in new ideas of technology that could be used. So, you know, really capitalizing on that entrepreneurship and entrepreneurship. As an entrepreneur, you know, from the business side, if you are choosing to start your own business, yeah, Steve Jobs, it's a success story. It's great. But, you know, there's so many wonderful uh, small business entrepreneurs that we even house here in the valley that we should be celebrating every day. If you look at Wolfville, for example, and you walk down the main street, I dare you the next time to just take a look up and count how many small businesses there are on that street. It's phenomenal when you actually, you know, take into account how small business strong we are. And each one of those businesses should be celebrated for their successes. So for the success of the employees that they are bringing in to their business, so the number of, you know, uh, the amount of jobs that they're providing our rural community and economy for, you know, the bi-local movement that they're contributing to, for the way that they're enhancing the the student, you know, experience as well and what they're bringing to the students who are choosing Acadia University. For me, the success in entrepreneurship, it's well-rounded. You know, it's not just about being bigger, better, stronger and growing. It could be as simple as, I've grown my business to two employees, but I am uh, succeeding in my own way because I'm meeting the goals that I've set for my business. And to me, that's success. And you're happy and you're doing what you love as well. Absolutely, right? It's all tied back to our passion. If you're passionate about it, if you wake up every day smiling and you know that you've made the choice to, uh, to answer a need in your community, to start a business, to employ people or employ yourself, how empowering is that? Yeah, that's an extremely lucky life to lead for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, So do you think it's possible for someone to uh, hold down a a part-time or even a full-time job while still being maybe like an entrepreneur or having a business on the side? Do you think that's possible? Absolutely. I think that we see entrepreneurship happen in many different ways. So there are those who keep full-time jobs, start a business, and then work on the business rather than working in the business. So they'll hire uh, skilled employees to actually manage and run the business that they've started. There's individuals who run businesses part-time. It could be um, a you know tech business or an e-commerce business, and you know perhaps it only takes up a certain amount of time in their day. There's students, we, students are more entrepreneurial than they give themselves credit for, you know? So for any students who are selling tickets to an event that they're hosting on campus or coming up with an idea to socially engage their friends or you know looking at hey maybe there's a different way we could all celebrate new years together or whatnot you know i think those are all ways that we're we're being entrepreneurial in our day-to-day and you might not even look at it as i've started my own business but you have and you're doing that while going to school and maybe managing a part-time job or you know doing all the other things that are on your day-to-day list Mm, as well as having uh, a part-time job I feel like that mitigates the risk a little bit so what I've what they say in investing is that you should never put all your eggs in one basket Um, but I feel like with entrepreneurs as well a lot of them have the personality type that tend to go all in in what they do so talk to me a little bit about how an entrepreneur can maybe mitigate risk a little bit when they do go all in and put everything they have into a business. Sure, absolutely. So I think, again, it goes back to that. It goes back to the uh, your personal 
your personal needs. So if you look at your personal vision and if you say, you know, I have the time, I have the passion, I have the experience, I have all I need to dive 100% into this business idea, I'm going to go for it. You know, financially, if there's strain, I can still live my day to day and feel okay, then you know, absolutely. Mm-hmm. There's lots of entrepreneurs that go all, all in. I went all in at the age of 24. Mm. And that the, the way I calculated it was I said, you know, outside of my living expenses, and then I moved back in with my mom, <laughs> you know, to, to save money. So outside of living expenses, like buy groceries for my mom sometimes, um, I just had myself. So I didn't have children. I didn't have a partner. I knew that I needed to raise upwards of $150,000 of capital in order to start my business, which is a huge amount if you think at the age of 24 to take on um, from different lenders. And I just evaluated the risks and I said, if I fail or, you know, if I don't succeed and I go bankrupt, then Mm. I go bankrupt. As a 24-year-old, I've learned a heck of a lot. I can pull myself back together and I'll try again, you know? So I think it's all in the definition of what your current needs are and how um, how your small business finances or your, uh, your business needs to support those financial needs and all the other needs as well. So your personal passions, your interests, your skill sets, so on and so forth. Yeah. Um, and in terms of the small businesses that you work with um, and, and different things, do you, on a more logistical side, ever get into recommending technology or like a platform for small businesses to work with? It is very dependent on the case. But so if they're interested in different e-commerce platforms, absolutely. We'll do research into, you know, what's available, why they would make a choice towards one or the other, um, you know, what benefits. And we would do a clear analysis in regards to that. Um, other technology platforms, would you mean, what well, can you expand on that question? Sure. Um, well, along with, along with that, cause I know, uh, Shopify is one mm-hmm. e-commerce platform yep. that you could push people towards for drop shipping, that kind of thing, yes. but also, um, pushing them towards maybe if they're an older company and aren't as well versed in social media, how you can, exp- uh, expand on the importance of that for mm-hmm. them and, and how they can tackle that and utilize that in their business strategy. Sure. So it's really interesting. So we talk about social media a lot and Mm -hmm. social media marketing. And I believe that, I guess, like any form of marketing, social media has a place in every business. Having said that, though, I think it's very important for you to define who your customers are, who your targeting segments are before you just go in and say, I know what can help your business. It's a social media platform. So looking at tech as a, uh, a tool focused to, you know, enhance your marketing and your messaging and your communication to business is great. But I always ask the questions of, well, who are you targeting? You know, if your customer segments are people between the ages of 60 and 80, who may not be 100% tech savvy or may engage actually more in watching, you know, the news on television in the morning or listening to CBDC radio, does it make sense for you to have a consistent Instagram or Twitter presence? Who are you reaching that way? You know, if you are going to engage in social media, what time are you posting? Who's looking at your posts at that time? Who's who are you engaging with through social media and then building that kind of psychological platform to tie to that persona that you want to be reaching. Mm. You know, I think social media is only used best when it has a targeted approach 
if I was looking at targeting students, you know, I'd, I'd want to learn more about probably Snapchat stories and Insta stories and, you know, reaching out and developing a relationship through those stories. Mm-hmm. Having said that, if my business is more tied to a different generation or demographic, I'd probably be using social media in a different way. Yeah, that's really, really interesting. Um, another question coming from me as, as, a, as a student. Um, I want to talk about networking and, and leveraging our connections with people a little bit. So how important do you think it is for young people or, or just people in general to, to network and build that connection with people? I, I think it's the most important, mm-hmm. to be honest. I think that we should be building our network every day. I think it's important for us to push ourselves to introduce us to uh, ourselves to different people make those connections you never know and especially in you know smaller provinces too and outside of that you never know when a connection can come in handy so if you're on an airplane introduce yourself to the person next to you you know if you're not working or you don't have a business get your own little business cards you know that you can hand out Um, make connections wherever you can because it's my personal and professional connections that have truly landed me where I am today and if you are starting a small business or you are looking at you know opening something small business isn't built by one person I always say this it's a sole proprietorship isn't actually a sole proprietorship it's about the community you build around that sole proprietorship and that starts with your networks and your connections so I think that they are the be all end all. I think we have to encourage ourselves to always increase our network every day. That's great. Um, one of my personal goals actually is to try and contact two Acadia alum in, in the profession or major that I am interested in per month. Um, so, but I, I really liked your point about the business cards. I feel like that's something I haven't personally thought of before, but it's mm. extremely interesting for maybe people who you meet and you don't necessarily have a common connection like an Acadia alum kind of thing. So mm. I really, I like that strategy. Um, so my next question is how important and linked to this topic are LinkedIn pages for students to have? Because I know a lot of my friends are just getting it and starting them up now. Um, but how important are those for students to have or different platforms like that? Mm-hmm. That's a really good question. Um, it, I would say that any way that you can link to different industries or people that you hope to engage with either right away or down the road then that's a very positive tool to use so LinkedIn is a great tool to connect with individuals from and and professionals from all different industries it's also a really good tool to connect with um, individuals internationally and students internationally as well Um, so I think that it is definitely one tool that can help to enhance your network But again, I'll go back to, it depends how you're using it. You know, so if you're just setting up your LinkedIn account and letting it sit there and not engaging, do I think it's gonna do that much for you? Probably not. You know, your LinkedIn account, like any other way you choose to network, is only gonna be as strong as the time and effort that you put into it. Do I believe that a handshake, a look in the eye, and a follow-up phone call is probably just as important as a LinkedIn account? I do. And that's because I find that uh, uh, generationally, Mm -hmm. there we go, um, we're losing some of that capacity to feel comfortable in introducing ourselves to people in person or feeling comfortable enough to pick up the phone and call and make an ask. So I'm a big believer in still the uh, 
informational interview. So if you're interested in meeting a professional in an industry that you're looking at maybe being employed in, why not do a bit of research on that person, pick up the phone call and see if they'll have coffee with you. Ask for an informational interview, Mm. you know, make a connection that way. You can build your LinkedIn network, but that's not going to take away your ability to also make a one-on-one connection with individuals who are going to help you achieve your goals and your dreams. You're listening to The Axe Change, the official podcast of the Fred C. Manning School of Business Administration, Acadia University, Wolfville, Nova Scotia. Podcast host Bailey Darling interviews entrepreneur and business counselor Jesse Gillis. I think it's extremely important for for people and entrepreneurs especially to have mentors. Um, at least that's what I've heard and, 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 and network I am personally trying to grow. So talk to me a bit about the value uh, you see in, in having mentors. So I see great value in mentors. While I was starting my business, I was fortunate enough to have a business mentor. Um, and, you know, without his support and other people's support, I wouldn't have been able to go through my entrepreneurial process you know having somebody that you can again especially as a sole proprietor that you can bounce ideas off of that you can gain support from that you can gain feedback from that can sometimes also set you straight you know there were times where you know as a business owner I might have been in a you know in a little bit of a funk and having a difficult time with my business and it's really good for people to kind of help snap you out of that and a mentor is really good if you have that kind of honest relationship and rapport with them that they can bring you back to present Mm -hmm. and they can help you concentrate on setting those future goals versus the oh why me this is so difficult um and you know i look at many different individuals not just that one person as mentors in my life and i have been a mentor to uh, businesses through the Futurepreneur program as well. Um, and I just, I think that it's really important to, to have that kind of support. Great. Now that we've built the tension around uh, about what you do, uh, uh, well, you've mentioned your business quite a few times, and now why don't we just get right into it and you walk me through um, the startup of that and your experience um, and just through the whole process because I know it was a very successful business from the little I've heard about it. Um, so why don't you just dive right into that somebody clearly paid bailey to say that my business was very successful (laughs) i promise i'm not just like slipping him money over the table okay so i owned highland drive storehouse and highland drive catering company one was a hundred percent local butcher shop in the north end of halifax and the other was a sister catering company that worked with the butcher shop so in the butcher shop we only Uh, bought from small to medium-sized sustainable farms in Nova Scotia and our mission through the shop was to help sustain their efforts um, and allow them a uh, supply chain that they could sell their meat wholesale to so that they could also gain access to the Halifax market without having to run their own stall at the farmers market for instance. We did um, 
100% whole animal European style butchery. So we did absolutely every cut and a part of our process was to have zero waste. So my goal in the shop was to have zero to three percent waste. So we used everything. We used ears, the tongue, uh, the, the cheeks, the tails, the bones, the bone marrow, pretty much any any part of the animal you can, you know, picture or, or put mine to, we used. Uh, we also had a harvest vegetable and fruit table, so we worked locally with uh, vegetable and fruit farmers, and so if you wanted to come in and get, you know, all the veggies you wanted for your meal, as well as your fresh local meat, we had that available. Uh, we also sold fresh cheese, milk, um, eggs, preserves, so on and so forth. So it really was like your little local boutique market. And then the catering company, that was uh, an also concentrate, concentrated in offering 100% uh, tailored menus to each individual client. So unlike other catering companies where you go online and you see their specific menus that you can order off of, clients came to me and said, we have these, we have these dietary restrictions or these are my favorite foods or I'm looking for a 10 course menu around and paired to this particular wine and I would create a menu for each individual client. That menu would also reflect the season that we were in, what was available through our farmers. Um, and incorporated a lot of fun, fresh flavors. So uh, my first question is, what age did you start this uh, company at? Sure, so I started the catering company at um, 24. I started writing the business plan when I was 23 and then started it, yeah, just after turning 24. And then I went through the process of opening up the butcher shop later on in my 24th year. And it was opened two months after I turned 25. What gave you the idea to open that and, and the passion to pursue it? So uh, originally I thought that I would, I had been working um, in Ontario and I wanted to start my own business. But when I looked at the Ontario hospitality market um, and more so towards restaurants, I always thought that I was going to open a restaurant. Mm -hmm. um, it was too scary. I, you know, I think 1200 different restaurants or catering companies um, open up every year in Ontario or just in Toronto and you know you could blink an eye and they would close so I wanted to move home I wanted to be closer to a community that I felt really supported small local businesses and I wanted to make a go of it in Nova Scotia so I moved home and started writing this business plan for a restaurant and started approaching some different um, lenders, possible lenders, after I'd started the catering company and nobody would even blink an eye in my direction. So then I went back to the drawing board and I took a look at my catering company and I started to see a need and that need was in my catering company I couldn't find any fresh local meat. So every time I wrote a menu, every time I booked a client, I had to drive to the valley and different butcher shops in the valley in order to procure my meat. That was before uh, the farmer's market at the seaport had opened a butcher shop there. It was before, you know, now there's more available local meat in Halifax. Um, and I just saw a need and I said, you know, what about those days that you could go to your local butcher shop, you could ask for a very specific cut you wanted, you knew where the meat came from, you knew the person behind the counter, you had that relationship, and I decided that 
I would create it in Halifax and bring it back. Sounds like it, it's very an, an easily differentiable company that had a very good value proposition with all the variety and, and freshness and everything like that. So if I'm correct in saying you did sell out of that, right? I did. So, well, sell out. Huh. No, I had a succession plan incorporated into okay. that. So I, I sold the business. Yes. Um, I sold the business. It is still running today under the name of Getaway Farms. So... Um, I actually sold to one of my suppliers who had opened a butcher shop in Halifax as well, and they were looking for a secondary location. Um, so I sold it as a turnkey sale two years after opening it. That's great. And I've often heard that from the other two entrepreneurs that I've interviewed that when you start a business, you have a specific mission in mind, but that often changes um, throughout the life cycle of the business. Uh, was your mission the same at the beginning as it was at the end? My mission was, I would say that it probably, I learned more about how to ensure that we were following our identified mission every day throughout my learning in the business. But we, I always wanted the business to work 100% with local um, small to medium scale farms. I always wanted to sell and cut from whole animals because I believe in um, the value that and, and the hard work that farmers bring in order to um, in order to raise sustainable and grass-fed and uh, beautiful meat for our consumption so I really wanted to respect you know their hard work and their effort by providing and only buying from small to medium scale farms I always wanted our mission to be you know to, to pay our suppliers to pay my employees well to uh, be able to provide my employees with benefit and professional development and even though I was a small business you know I wanted to do my best to hopefully be a cut above um, and so I would say that my mission just got more defined it didn't necessarily change I just understood how we could live our mission more and more every day as the business group. I think that's so important because often I, th I feel like in the corporate world, uh, ethics and sustainability are often overlooked. So I, I, I love that mission. I think it's, a, it's extremely important in the success of especially a local business. Um, so what, what, what were some of the biggest things, uh, some adversity that you faced while going through that process? Sure. So, well, how many female butchers at 24 years of age do you know? Really? Not I, I, I don't think many. Yeah, so uh, I think being, well, being a female trying to open a business in this industry was difficult for a few different reasons. Um, you know, being a young business owner in general, often your credibility is questioned. So being a female in a very male-dominated industry, an industry that's quite misunderstood as well. So we don't offer uh, butchery as a trade in our trade education systems here in Canada anymore so they took that out as an actual recognized trade a number of years ago so if you were to go to Europe and say I'm a uh, I'm a professional butcher you would have some acclaim to that and people would respect that as a trade here in Canada if you say you know I'm a trade chef which I also am it's much more credited and respected than a trade butcher which is really unfortunate you know it's kind of a lost mm. art that we have so um, building education towards what butchery is um, what I wanted the business to be uh, you know going through the startup process and finding funding um, 
building that credibility with funders, um, pushing through some difficult situations um, as well with people who just took a look at me as a young female wanting to be business owner saying, you can't do it because you are, you know, a 24-year-old female. So definitely, you know, there was some adversity to work through in that sense. And also just being a young female, I was employing individuals who were sometimes 5, 10, 15 years my senior. And so as a young person, you really have to understand how to build that leadership role for yourself in your organization, but also, you know, how to engage respectfully with your employees and not really cross that boundary of, like, friendship and and professionalism. You know, I found it difficult as a young woman to really say, well, no, you have to look at me in this particular way because I'm your employer, because, you know, I am writing your paycheck at the end of the month, because, you know, this is your job description and these are your responsibilities. So that was always, you know, the, the management side always had, you know, different, uh, different learning and, you know, difficult situations to work through as well. Right. And after, after transitioning away from that business, was it hard to, um, not a regular job, but go into a job where you're not your own boss, so to speak? No, it wasn't. I think I felt more empowered in that. So I can honestly say if you run your own business, you will never want to work harder for somebody else than you have before. So having, um, you know, spent time managing employees, you know, I had a staff of five, five full-time employees, two part-time, 20 contract staff. And when you have staff, you're always trying to engage them, empower them, you know, motivate them help them understand why a you respect so much that they've chosen to work with a small business but also empower through your mission so this is our mission this is how we want you to be communicating with customers this is why we value this communication this is why this customer service is so important because as a small business you have people choosing to come to your business and purchase those those people could be making a choice to go to, you know, a larger store that probably has different options at a lesser expensive, you know, price point. I always believe that people walking through our doors to my store, they were making a choice and we had to enhance their their choice by providing the best possible customer service. So absolutely when I decided to make the sale and then I was looking at different job opportunities after that, I was like, I am going to work so hard for <laughs> whoever I end up working for because I get it. I get how difficult it is sometimes to, you know, empower your employees on the ground. And I now just believe in offering everything that I can to any position I take on because I want to help make an organization more successful. I want to believe in that. And I'll only choose to work with organizations that I can, you know, align my personal values with. And so I can do that every day in my job. Right. That's terrific. Having that perspective and being able to utilize that as an employee as well as an employer. Um, so my next question is being an entrepreneur, it obviously takes, um, it requires risk tolerance and especially perseverance as you've talked about through your adversity. So do you think that it takes a a specific emotional temperament to be a successful entrepreneur? It's a good question. I don't know because I find myself, well, I would say I'm a pretty emotional person. Um, <laughs> I think that through the course of being an entrepreneur, you learn how to balance those emotions. I think you learn how to draw a line between personal and professional. 
um, you learn how to draw a line between this is my business relationship and this is, you know, a personal relationship and this is how I'm going to react. You, I, I, I don't think it has to do necessarily with emotions. I think it has to do more with personal management and, and creating a really good understanding of yourself. So, you know, you need to manage your reactions in different scenarios that you may not have thought of previously. You have to rather than just reacting maybe step back and say i'm going to put myself in the mindset of my employee at this time why are they reacting this way you know how can i how can i work through this situation and come up with a positive outcome and you have to challenge yourself to you know maybe emotionally withdraw at times so that you can look at it from the best business um, perspective possible and mm -hmm. so you know, maybe that's the most, that that would be the emotional part is saying, I'm gonna turn off my personal emotions and I'm just gonna look at this from a business perspective and I'm gonna find the, the best concrete solutions I can. Um, did you have any business partners in, I know you were a sole proprietorship, mm -hmm. but did you have any business partners in that process? No, I didn't, I had a lot of supporters. Thanks, mom. <laughs> um, but I, did, I didn't have any business partners. Mm, that's definitely a lot on your plate then to manage um, a lot of responsibilities. So did you hire um, any anybody who is like a, a level below you but still able to manage a wider base of employees and, and maybe deal with customers on a face-to-face -face level while you worked on the business itself? So n no I didn't and that's something I definitely would say I learned from. I think I, w I would probably say that most entrepreneurs would agree with me that Letting go of different um, responsibilities in the business can be very difficult. You know, it's easy to delegate some tasks, but the management of the business and some of those major day-to-day -day, uh, questions that you have to answer, it's very difficult to trust somebody that they are going to answer them in the same way that you would or they will, uh, you know, work through different situations in the same professional manner that the owner would. So I, you know, I did have individuals that I trusted who worked in the business. I did have individuals that were with the business from, um, you know, opening, opening day to the day that I, I closed the doors. And I did have ones that I, you know, trusted to manage in, in certain capacities, but I definitely kept my finger on most in all areas of the business operations, for better or for worse, right? Right, exactly. So now, if you don't mind, Jesse, I'd like to get into some questions uh, from our from our listeners. And the first one comes from Yoram Schroll, and his question is, it's one thing to get a customer's attention, but it's another thing to keep it. So how does one uh, go about keeping customers engaged, and whether that's through social media or, or different strategies? What do you have to say about that? Sure. So. Um and I'll just reflect on my own business. We use social media in different capacities. Um, whether or not we use it in, in the best way possible, I'm not sure. We tried, you know, our best. But again, and I think in a small business, it's difficult to fit everything in a day-to-day. -day. So the way that I believe, and I still believe, is the best way to engage with your customers if you are a retail store, which I was, you know, build a customer relationship. We had what I believe to be the best products provincially we could possibly have been working with. The best meat, you know, the best vegetables, the best fruits. We we're so fortunate to have the highest quality. 
but we wouldn't have been able to sell those without the customer service that we provided. I still get emails, you know, it's been three years or over, and I still get emails from customers saying, we miss having you and your staff, you know, at the store. We miss um, the conversations that we had. We miss that you knew, you know, what we our favorite sausages. You knew what was going to be in our package before we even stepped in the doors on a Saturday morning. The way that we built our customer relationships were 100% customer focused, and I truly believe that's what that's what made my business success was that customer focus. Anything they asked for. You know, a cut of meat, if we didn't know it, we would learn it. Um, you know, it could be that they came in the door and said, you know, we haven't had this in 25 years. My mom used to always make it. You know, like, is there any possible way you can find out what it is and, and make this for us? Sure, absolutely. We will 100% do that. So we bend over backwards, and, and I believe in that value as well when building a really positive customer base and, and return base too. It's building relationships, not just building sales. That's terrific because customer relationships are obviously more profitable in the long term and, and keeping those. It's all about the network. So uh, this one comes from Brent, Brent Legrow and you've already touched on this a little bit, but um, how does one go about getting initial funding for their business from potential investors? And what's, the, what's your strategy through that? Sure. So we're fortunate to have many different small business um, well, business investors in Nova Scotia. Um, if you're looking at it from a student perspective, you know, there's different organizations like Futurepreneur that work with youth entrepreneurs. So they'll work with youth between the ages of 18 and 39. And that's a pretty wide, you know, age group to think about, 18 to 39. Um, and they won't just work with you as a lender, but they'll provide you access to their program a mentor for two years they're a national uh, lender as well so there's different you know conferences that you can be invited to or or you know different industry events in your you know city or town that they'll put on as well so that you can create your network I think they're a great organization we have our CBDC down here as well or in more rural communities um, you can go through traditional financial institutions. That's one option as well. Um, but yeah, there's a number of different ways. You know, kickstart, funding, CDFs. I could probably talk about funding and different ways to approach it all day. Um, it's it's completely dependent on the business you're looking to start, the amount of money you're looking to raise um, or to have invested in and you know the approach you want to take. So if anyone's interested in talking about loans and, and, and funding, I'd be happy to sit one-on-one -on -one with that person. Now this one, uh, it's a very short question and I'm interested to hear your response in it because it's not something that's readily talked about. Um, and it comes from Blake Ward and his question is, how much of your success is based on luck, do you think? I th I don't know. That's a really good question. <laughs> How much is it, Blake? Um, again, success is defined by the person. So I look at my business venture as, you know, a lot of good things, a lot of learning. Um, I think that success is really what you make it. I don't necessarily think that it is based on luck. I think that I did a lot of work in order to understand you know, who my demographic would be, why I chose the location that I opened the store in. Um, business is built on hard work and you're the only one that is driving truly the success of that, that business. So it's, if you're willing to put in the work, 
um, then in its own way or, or your own way, you're going to be successful. So, you know, in some ways, maybe I, I was lucky because of all the wonderful suppliers that I had the most amazing opportunity to work with and the fact that they chose to work with me. That was lucky for sure. They could have looked at me and said, no, we don't want to sell to you or, you know, we're not looking at engaging in a new relationship. But again, if you're doing your homework and if you're putting the work in, you'll know how to see new doors opened for you and your business and your business idea. That's great. Um, and, and, and this last one comes from Alicia Christie. Um, and it may be a little hard to pinpoint, but she said, what would you say was the single most influential factor in your business's success? Customer service. Customer service, as you already talked about. Cause it's Customer nice. service and product. Mm -hmm. So I don't think it's fair to say that it was like customer service in the knowledge we had about the product, the belief that we had in the individuals that were growing the product, um, the understanding of what that mission of that business would be. Like this all tied into our messaging, our communication, our customer service. But absolutely, it was the way that we prided ourselves in the products that we had, but we're able to communicate that in a message that gave our customers everything that they were looking for out of not just the products, but the service provided to get the product in their hands. All right, Jesse, so to close things out, uh, a question I often ask to end, end things is that if you could go back in time and you had 15 minutes with, your, uh, with yourself prior to starting your business, uh, what advice would you give yourself, whether it's just general advice or something to save yourself uh, headache or heartache in the long run? What would you say to yourself back then? Sure, Bailey, thanks. That's a great question. So the first advice I'd give myself is... Um, to understand my financials more and to build better financial forecasting. So financials are uh, the heart and soul of a lot of business operations, of all business operations, and it's often the um, uh, area that entrepreneurs, if they don't have the knowledge base in, tend to kind of stray away from. So I feel like I would have been much more empowered, at least in the first year of my business, if I had known more about uh, financial startup and operational costs and break-even points prior to opening. Um, and as well, I, I would just say that, um, you know, sometimes, you know, when trying to build, uh, um, I guess, the opportunity to work with friends in your business as the owner and operator of the business to really define those relationship first before you bring anyone in that is a friend to that business and make sure that you're able to draw the line between, you know, friendship and business and so that you uh, come up on top in that relationship because sometimes that can be difficult too. That's a terrific answer and a great bit of advice and I'm sure that many entrepreneurs who are starting their business now will greatly appreciate that and, and, and having that um, going into their, their business process. And on that note, unfortunately, we are just about out of time, but this has been truly a fantastic experience for me getting to learn about your past entrepreneurial experiences um, and, and the journey you went through with that. And I, I particularly enjoyed listening to uh, the adversity that you faced uh, as a young female starting a business because I think it's something that not a lot of people w would think of right off the bat. And I thought that was a really interesting point. Um, I'd also like to thank all of our listeners today for tuning into the Axe Change Radio podcast. And once again, Jesse, thank you so much for being here today and taking the time out of your busy schedule. Thanks very much, Bailey. It was my pleasure. Until next time. The 
Axe Change podcast is produced by the Fred C. Manning School of Business Administration at Acadia University using studio facilities provided by Axe Radio. This is a volunteer production. If you'd like to support the Axe Change podcast, please see podcast under the news and events tab on the business homepage at business.acadiau.ca. Thank you. Axe Change would like to thank Paul Callahan, Jonathan Campbell, Kendrick Carmichael, Dwayne Curry, Ian Feltmate, Mike Kennedy, Ryan McNeil, Michael Shepard, Connor Vibert, and Blake Ward. Music is Pickup Truck by Silent Partner, accessed copyright free at the YouTube Audio Library. Listen to the Axe Change podcast on the News and Events tab on the business homepage or at SoundCloud under Axe Change. Until next time, I'm Brianna Hike. Here's an Acadia spirit. <laughs>